Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Okay, it's always encouraging when we see little boys and girls do things that are really kind of cool, and it talks about how they're being raised. So I've got to brag, Jessica, I've got to brag on yours. They're getting handed cards. Instead of just taking it, they hand it to the next person. It's really cool. That really, Guys, that's the right thing to do. Give it to others first. Good deal. Um, this morning, um, we're going to be talking about um, something that all of us in this room do really well, and that is fret. Okay? Um, Every Aggie that is here this morning ought to be relaxed, okay? All right? Nod your heads, Aggies, all of you. Open date, you all absolutely smeared them, okay? Um, For everybody else, it was probably a time of, "Mm," at one, one time or another. Friday night, listen, my team won. Friday night, my te- your team won Friday night. They did. Rattlers beat the team that was the big Ono team in our district. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful to watch. But guys, we're going to talk this morning about the times that we don't have confidence that God's in control of things. And we start worrying. We start fretting. Now, I want to ask you a question before we begin. Do you know this fella? Do you know this guy? All right? Do you know who that is? It's not Chicken Little. The official name is Henny Penny. because The British call him Henny Penny. Okay? And she was the, the image of this chicken that was running around Worrying about everything. If you watch chickens, it, by the way, they, <laughs> there's you can go on YouTube and watch a thing called Chicken TV, okay? Because chickens will do things that are just crazy, and it's very entertaining. But here in the we colonialists have taken Henny Penny and made him a rooster, and we call him Chicken Little. All right. Now Chicken Little, you know the story. He gets bonked in the head and is convinced that the sky is falling. And he begins to go ahead and focus on that and that alone in his entirety of existence. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Well, the sky wasn't falling. He was wrong. But he spent all of his time worrying about that. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about that. We're going to look at a psalm this morning that we visited before, and it tells you and me about all the chicken littles that we have in our life. And when we have these in our lives, how wrong they can really be. They're not true. This is more than, look, what we're going to talk about this morning is more than, it's more than just don't worry, be happy. It is trust. It is the idea that God says don't fret about this. God has it. God has it. Folks, we're going to look in Psalm 37. So if you've got your Bible this morning, let me invite you to turn there. If you don't, I'm going to invite you to stand together because we read God's Word together. We stand to the honor of reading His holy 
and perfect Word. Let me invite you to read with me. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. And like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, and your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. Most of the time when we engage in fretting and worrying, it's because of something in our past. We most of the time begin to grab on to things that have happened in our past. And guys, listen to me. Your past can be a gathering place for worry. It can be the rally point in the gathering place for every concern that you carried into this building this morning. Because something that happened in the past that seems to echo and haunt you even to this day. What do you worry about with it? Well, what if somebody finds out about my past? What if everyone knows about my past? And we become endlessly locked in a spiral of that type of worry. But did you read what the psalmist wrote? Three main times in nine verses you hear this. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. And then he turns it around. And in Hebrew, he uses a little different a, a little different verbiage. And he says, look, don't worry about this. Well, folks, if you had somebody that were to... Okay, Aggies, you had a week off. If, if, if somebody like me came up to you and said, hey, don't worry about Alabama. We got this. Would you believe me? Not a chance. But if God says that He has your life, please hear this. He has your life. Your life is, is firmly in His hands. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christ follower, let me share with you this. God still has you in His hands. He does. And if you are safe in His hands, that doesn't mean that nothing bad can happen to you and you don't need to be worrying about the possibilities of those things that might happen to you that sneak between God's holy fingers as He's holding you. That's not what this is about. It is the idea of saying, God knows what's coming. God knows what's coming in my life. And I'm okay with what's coming because he's already seen it. I share this with you because the past can be a place where we focus our life and our worry. And it can nurse it can nurse a scar into a fresh wound. 
So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to take your right finger. Everybody get your right finger up. Hold it up. We need to work on right on a few of us. Okay, got it. I want you to run that finger over a visible, please hear this, visible scar you have on your body. Okay, do that now. Go ahead, start rubbing. There you go. I see some of where some of you <laughs> I see where some of you have been injured. My daughter has got her finger up here. She she hit her head years ago. There. Run it over a visible scar. Alright, here's the deal. Does that scar presently hurt? Okay? Got a couple of nods, yes, but most of us in here would say this scar that has been a scar for years and years and years doesn't hurt. All right, where did the pain go? Well, after the initial injury, after whatever treatment you got on it or not, eventually it goes ahead and begins to to heal and cover. Worry can be that thing that will open up something that has been sealed and healed and begin to work it into a fresh, visible, and painful wound again and again. Your past, oftentimes, is something that you and I will go ahead and lock into. And the writer of Psalm 37 talks about it. He says, look, don't fret. He first of all starts with people. Don't fret about people that are doing the wrong thing around you. If they're doing the wrong thing around you, you don't have to be like that. And don't sit there and go, I can't wait till that person gets theirs. Okay? Remember? Remember, I still am haunted by that deal of the Aggies pulled over 40-some-odd years ago when I did the wrong thing. Well, they were speeding. They deserved to get their ticket. Let me tell you what, again, I will say it again. Be thankful you don't get what you deserve. You're running your finger over that scar. And the scar of that, that injury that you suffered... It doesn't need to be a gathering place, whether it is external on your body or internally. It doesn't need to be a gathering place of your focus and your worry, you fretting about it. When the psalmist wrote these words, he talked about people first, and then he said, don't worry about the, the things that are around you, that are happening around you. Don't worry about that. It's, and, and listen to me, folks. Please hear this. The writer of this psalm is talking about two dynamics. Worrying about people and things around you that, that affect you. And then he's saying, don't worry about the things that you have, at least in part, control over. Because guys, listen to me. If God has everything in control, and you and I are just simply little auto, human automatons that go marching through our life, boy, I've wanted to moon dance in this church ever since I got here. I can't do it. But hey, I'm marching along as an automaton all the way through my life, and there's no decision that I need to make. That's not how you were created. You have a free will. And that free will this morning is that part of you that has the choice of saying, I'll follow God or I won't follow God. And by the way, that's not just a one-time decision. Well, I got saved in church and therefore I'm following God. No, 
Every single day, you have to make the willful, volitional decision to say, I will follow God. Well, I already did that, Clyde. I I got baptized in a Baptist church. That means I'm going to heaven. Let me share with you, it's more than that. It's more than that. God wants more than Sundays and Wednesday nights. He wants every part of you every day. And that surrender process where we turn over to Him means we vacate worry. I don't have to worry about the old things that have happened in my life that God has already healed. Not only that, if you go ahead and fret about those things that are in your past, it opens old wounds again. Past relationships that didn't work out. Old words that were spoken harshly by people who are now older and still yet they hurt. Worry can carefully craft new injuries into old ones. Don't play that game. Let your past remain where it is in the rear view mirror of your life. Get over it. Move past it. I sang last week. I'll tell you again. Let it go. Find the things that are fresh and new in God's kingdom for you today. Because it can convince you, worry can convince you, and fretting can convince you not to try. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you absolutely, this morning, full of energy? Now, I'm looking at some of you right now, and you're beginning to go ahead and agree with your preacher. Okay, you know what agreeing with me is? Yeah. You're beginning to. I'm figuring that all of you, at least all the Aggies in this room, got a good night's sleep because you weren't worrying about your team. But there's one person in this room that stayed up through three overtimes, and we won. Yes! Yes? Oh, hush. Let me share with you this, folks. Worry can convince you not to even try anymore. To give up. It's kind of like the pastor who's I'm sitting here and I'm saying, hey, can you feel the excitement in this room right now? Can you feel it coursing through your bodies because you're in church at First Baptist Church? And you're going, I'm just trying to survive the sermon, Clyde. Worry. (laughs) Okay. Give thanks to God that Sam was awake. (laughs) Just, Just shot right through my point there, Sam. Nicely done. Look, worry can go ahead and make you tired, physically tired. Depression can do that. For the point that you simply say, to God and to everybody else, what's the point of me even trying? It's used by the enemy to discourage and defeat you and to confirm that no matter what you do, your past will regulate your future. And that's not what God says in His Word. He's got your past already taken care of. God's got your past taken care of. I don't care where you have been and what you've done. God has already taken care of your past. And we know that because on the cross... 
Jesus didn't just die for your past sins. The Bible says He died for what's going on right now in your life. And listen to me. Even those things that He has seen in your future, He has that too. That's the God that loves you. He has your past taken care of. You see, the Bible shares that God solves your past problems. And He makes the present problems doable. Okay, so you're not supposed to fret about the past. But what about right now? We live in a broken world with broken people in it who oftentimes splatter all of their mess, of their messy lives, onto us, even when we're not guilty of what they've done. How do you keep away from that mess? This is one of the great verses in Psalm 37. It's verse 7. And it echoes Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. It's repeated in the Bible again and again and again. Be still. Why be still? Well, still means less distractions in your life. Still means less that you have to be involved in. Still means a stationary target for God to be able to deal with. Still is easier for God to draw a holy bead on. Alright, we have several celebrities in our uh, church this morning. One of which I've watched throw. And he's good at it. So Zach, come on up here a minute. I need to borrow you. Hurry, Zach. The faster you move... You know, if we had somebody chasing you right now, I've seen you move faster than that. Come on. Come on, hurry up. Hurry up, hurry up. Zach is quarterback of Navasota's Rattler football team. He can throw. I've watched him. Come here. So, here's the deal. This is the, Look, look. On Wednesday nights, when you come to First Baptist Church, and you're this tall all the way up to this tall, they play dodgeball. Now, we are not playing dodgeball in church. Okay, so for every good Baptist over the age of 60, we are not doing that. This is an example. Alright? But if you show up on Wednesday night, what will happen is, you'll have people that will have balls, and they will go ahead and start aiming them at you. And they will try to go ahead and get you. So here's Zach. We've got coaches in the back. You guys take note. If he doesn't do this right, I want him running gassers okay here it is no pressure no pressure here's the deal I want you to go ahead and slowly slowly about this fast move back and forth alright Zach you got three chances alright go start moving hurry come on come on come on, come on. move 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 miss don't put the window out don't put don't you're moving up. Move back. Cheat, cheat. You could be at SMU. All right. Now, here's the deal. He got him. All right? He got him. Took him three tries. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to go ahead. Come here. 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 Right there. Turn around so you don't get an eye put out. All right? All right. Hit him. Go ahead. With the ball. With, no, not with your fist. The ball. All right? Come on. Sermon illustration is shot to pieces. 
coaches, I expect you to go ahead and work with him. Chris, no, you're not. There you go. You got two more tries. All right, good. Got him. That's it. Thank you for your help. Here's the deal. Took him three tries and only two to be able to do this. Thank you for doing that, Zach. Ash, thank you for being a target. Um, here's the deal. It's easier to hit something still. When you and I are still before God, God can go ahead and hit us with His Holy Spirit easier than He can when we are dancing around and moving and so busy with all of the things in our life that we think are so important. Be still. Verse 7 says, be still. Why? Because God right now, this very day, is trying to get a hold of you. Church, please hear this. You need to be still before God. If we're going to go ahead and jettison worry and fret, we've got to be still. And being still when we're worried about something is impossible. I get the privilege of being a chaplain every Friday evening for an episode of Rattler football team. I love doing that. I love doing it five years ago. I love doing it right now. I have my little watch on that tells me how many steps I take because as I'm sitting there trying to be Pastor Clyde from First Baptist, encouraging all the football players, praying with them after they make a play, after, I'm sitting there on the sideline going, he should have gone ahead and run the ball. He should have gone ahead and done this. And I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And halfway through the game Friday night, God said, Clyde, would you please be still? And I was. And I watched the young man that I talked about last week sitting over there kind of gripped. And a coach called his name and put him in the game. And this kid who'd had a history of struggle scored the first touchdown he's had all year long. I'll tell you what happened. I'm standing there still. As he's running off the field, my first thought is, well, i got to go pray with him and tell him to thank God for giving him the ability to do that. And God said, stop, Clyde, stop. Be still. And I watched as one after another, after another, after another, after another, player and coach came by. And they didn't say, hey, nice job hanging on to the ball. Hey, you didn't drop the ball this time like you have the last three games. What they said was, you did it. You did it. And one player, I won't mention his name, but he wears number four, runs up to him and he said, whatever you do, give thanks to God right now that you got another chance and you made a play. Be still, Clyde, because somebody is already being raised up 
to do the job that you think you're the essential person and have to be there to do. God's got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be still. You see, you can't chicken little with God. He is the one in charge of the sky. Like Chicken Little says, he knows, not Chicken Little, he knows when it, will, when it will come down. And every evidence that you have doesn't compare with what his plan is. And he's offended when you think otherwise. You see, he knows the future. There is no reason for you and me to fret about that future either. So the past, no. The present, uh-uh. The future, nada. God already has that worked out for you too. And here's the reason why. Because there's absolutely no comparison to you. There's absolutely no comparison for you. God has loved you. God has loved you to the point where He has given you the willful volitional choice to say yes or no to Him. And to say yes or no whether you're going to worry about what's going on in your life. Do I have worries? Pastor Clyde, do you have worries? Yes, I do. One of my worries, I want to know, I want to know what's going to happen with my kids. Victor, Anna, Caitlin. I want to know what happens with my wife. If I'm out of the picture, what's going to happen? Any of you all ever worry about stuff like that? Okay, a couple of you all are being honest. The rest of you all need to come forward when the invitation comes for lying, okay? We worry ourselves about stuff like that. Guys, I will tell you this. When I take my final breath and when you take yours, God is still going to be on the throne. And He's still going to work and protect and and love and nurture and care for all the special people that you have right now. He has them in His hands. And He is going to go ahead and be there when you and I are not. That's the kind of fantastic God that we serve. That's the kind of God that right now can tell you and me, don't fret. Don't worry. You see, there is no alternative to the peace that God gives. There's no alternative to it. Is worrying going to go ahead and make that peace stronger? No. It just diminishes it. And when we worry, we're essentially telling God, God, you don't have this. I need it back. Do you need your old life back? Do you need your old life back the way you were back there the rearview mirror in your past. Now, you see, Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago hung on the cross for your past, for the right now at 1124 on Sunday morning in Navasota. He died for this time. And for tomorrow morning, if He graces us with one more day, He died for you for tomorrow. Why should I worry? Why should I fret? I have a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet. Pray with me.
Father, I, I ask that you'll help us be still right now for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and talk to us about the things that are most important in our lives. The things that we have brought into this place worrying about, thinking that only we have the capacity to change. When in reality, God, the thing that you want to change more in us than anything is the problem that separates us from you, and that is sin. The Bible calls worry a sin. So help us this morning. Bring that to you. Know that 2,000 years ago, you hung on a cross for my worries. And God, I can leave them there. Begin to learn how to live a life trusting you and not trusting in what I have to do about my problems. God, I think there are plenty of people in here that have come in here with lots of worries. I'm going to ask that right now, as we sense your Holy Spirit speaking to our, our lives, speaking to us, that we will tell you right now what that main worry is. Since you've already died for that worry, you already know it, but you want us to admit it. Help us to leave that one here today and not carry it out of this room. Lord, I think there are people here that also need to go ahead and plug their lives in on a permanent basis to a place where they can call home. Not joining a church, but joining your family. If there's anybody here, Father, that that doesn't have Jesus in their life. And I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship where they invite you to become boss. Then this morning, I pray that they will. They'll just simply say, God, you've got me. If there's someone here that needs to go and plug their life into a church family permanently, this is that time, Father, give them the confidence to say yes. And we'll give you the glory because you and you alone are worth it and worthy of it. Bless this time. Take it and use it. May your Holy Spirit reign. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. Ross is going to lead us in this wonderful, wonderful hymn. It is true. Come to Jesus just as you are. As he sings, I'll be down here at our altar. If God is talking to you about a decision of inviting Christ into your life, joining this church, this is that time you come as God leads.